0: Grace and peace to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is my joy to worship with you. Uh, You may be seeing me for the first time, but I actually have a quite a long history with your congregation. About 15 years ago, uh, you served with a wonderful minister for family and children, Joelle Beller. And she and I partnered together in providing godly play workshops throughout this region. Uh, and with your wonderful beloved pastor Matt I have had the privilege of learning from him when he taught on ecological stewardship in our presbytery and have come across one another in justice seeking action and they say those you march those the people who march together pray with one heart and so i sense a spirit of immediate uh, unity with your pastor and so with all of you whom he evidently so loves. Thank you for your warm welcome of me this morning. As we prepare to listen for God's word, read and proclaimed, please pray with me. Be in our words, O Lord, and in our understanding. Be in our hearts and set our lives to praise, For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, Redeemer of all. Amen. The scripture lesson this morning comes from 1 Samuel. You should know 1 Samuel quite well now, uh, chapter 3. We will hear from verses 1 through 10. Let us listen together for the word of God. where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So Samuel went and lay down. The Lord called again samuel samuel got up and went to eli and said here i am for you called me but eli said i did not call you my son lie down again now samuel did not yet know the lord and the word of the lord had not yet been revealed to him the lord called samuel again a third time And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went down and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, "Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. A little red rock sits on a mossy log deep in the verdant wilderness of Olympic National Park in Washington State. By the Ho River Trail, under the canopy of ancient trees, this little red rock marks the spot. The spot is known as one square inch of silence. It is a tiny area considered the quietest place in the country, a preserved sanctuary of silence, protected from manufactured sounds and human intrusions. Here, the pristine rainforest-like ecosystem makes moss grow on every hard surface creating a naturally insulating soundscape. And at its epicenter sits this little red rock, making a profound counterstatement against a loud world, spreading silence beyond its one square inch, reminding us of a place we can return to, a place of quiet. A place of simple gifts. Now if you were to make your path along this woody road to find this spot where this little red rock sits, you could only stand there with reverence, listening to the buzzing hum of wildlife everywhere. You will hear in this place your heartbeat for the first time in a long time. You will feel the power of stillness, reminding you of things you had forgotten, that you are loved. When is the last time you were in such a place, a place of quiet, a place of stillness, when you have a chance to listen and perhaps hear your life speak. For several years, I taught theology to undergraduate students in a Jesuit school where no matter your major, you had to take religious studies courses for graduation. And so many students who would put off those units till their last semester would find themselves in my class. And after the first day, they're given an assignment. Sit still in a place of solitude and silence for 10 minutes. Then write a brief report about your experience. It may or may not surprise you that these bright 20-year-old students have a very difficult time with this assignment. We either are unable to keep our attention to stillness. For us, doing and going is easier than reflecting on our lives. Or we are afraid of being alone in silence, where clarity, where truth about our lives, about our world, might be revealed. I resonate with my students or any of us who would find 10 minutes of unproductive silence challenging. After all, we reflect the culture in which we live, a pace of life not accustomed to silence or stillness or simplicity. We live in an era of accelerations and accumulation, competition and productivity where we are to strive for this and for that. Our lives are wired and distracted, and there is so much in our lives, in our complicated world to be concerned about. But it is when we can stop from all the striving, all the trying, to step away and pause, even for just a few moments. From the demands of what seems so urgent in our lives, it is when we can stop and pause that we just might have a chance to be in a quiet enough, still enough place, a place where we can hear our heartbeat again. Here we will hear the honest condition of our lives telling us that we are doing too much or doing things that are none of our business or directing us to new things and to new places. We may hear from the very hidden places in our hearts telling us that we are exhausted, that we are hurting, that we are afraid. We become attentive in such a place Attentive to our need for God, a need always present with us, but forgotten in all our striving. The attentive life is nothing fancy, not some unachievable status reserved for the spiritual elite or those inclined to ascetic or strict discipline. Living with attention, the attentive life is remembering and believing again, and believing again that God who spoke in the beginning, God who tamed chaos with God's word and caused the stars to shine and waters to break forth, that this God speaks still. not only to grand things, but into our lives. Not only in majestic thunder across the cosmos, but deep, deep into our disheveled lives, speaking a word of resurrection power into things that have collapsed within us and around us. Speaking a word, reminding us of things we had forgotten. Promises we long to believe. That we are loved. That we are forgiven. That we are not alone. It is when we are attentive to our need for God who saves us that we will hear God who speaks still today. God who calls again. And again God who comes to dwell to stay and live in the very places of our heartache and need Israel was a place of heartache and need but the people did not recognize their honest condition the people lived according to what was right in their own eyes and believed that all was well They did not recognize their need for God, and leading them in this disregard of God was a high priest's own family. The sons of Eli, the high priest, defiled the temple and its worship. Eli's vision had grown dim. He could not discern clearly how to lead the people to faithfulness before God because he himself had lost his way. He lacked courage to speak truth as a priest, as a prophet, as a parent. Israel was in disarray and had forgotten its identity and vocation as the beloved of God. And the people were unable to hear God, for their attention was turned away to their own knowledge and pleasures. The word of God was rare in those days, the scripture records. Visions were not widespread. It is into this spiritually desolate landscape that God's voice is heard by a young boy, Samuel, who lived with Eli the priest Samuel, who was attentive to the affairs of the worship of God, helping with all the priestly duties. I imagine Samuel swept every corner of the tabernacle grounds, and when supplies were needed, it was Samuel who went and fetched them. Samuel's diligent and eager posture that we come to see throughout the verses of the chapter that we read in today's text warms our hearts For this young attentive boy even across these thousands of years to this samuel when the word of god was rare in those days in the quiet of the night to this samuel god calls samuel samuel and when samuel could not perceive that god was trying to get his attention god calls again samuel When Samuel missed God the second time, God continues to seek Samuel again, calling Samuel. When Samuel could not discern God's voice calling him and missed the chance again a third time, God persists, and this time, verse 10, the Lord came and stood there calling as before. Samuel, Samuel. When is the last time you heard the voice of God? Have you heard the voice of God? Most of us would not argue if someone were to write of our own time. The word of God was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. We too live in a spiritually desolate landscape where our attention is far from God and the noise of our lives keeps us from hearing or perceiving the voice of God. There was a time in my own life that felt like a desolate landscape, a season when God felt far away, at least not near enough for me to hear God's voice, not through the chaos and heartache of the abrupt diagnosis of an aggressive cancer in my spouse. In a matter of days, we were rushed into surgery. Things became desperate very quickly, and life seemed to be collapsing in the flurry of medical complications and imminent decisions that had to be made by me, next of kin. The gravity of life and death fell heavy on our productive and self-sufficient lives. What also fell were all the clutter of things that we held so tightly and rendered significant the noise in our lives, silence to only what was needed. For when your life succumbs to challenges you cannot control, you learn quickly and by necessity how to pray, to simply cry out for help, or to simply cry before God. I had to learn to walk in the dark, those fragile first days, the trying and grateful years that followed me and my spouse to this day. I became intimately, intimately acquainted with a kind of helplessness in ways that my able life never knew. As the years of treatments crept by, my faith was feeble and my prayers had certainly run dry. It is in this desolate landscape when one Wednesday morning, God came and stood and called my name. Some of you will know what it's like to care for your love through their illness. You see, I was tired, I was sad, I was desperately in need of a haircut. I realized one day that it had been more than two years since I stepped into a hair salon, and I recalled seeing a vinyl banner advertising Wednesday morning walk-in special at a place in the city. So one early Wednesday morning, I conspired my schedule, and I left the house saying, I'm running some errands. And I went into the city and walked in to get my hair done, clutching in my bag an envelope of cash that I put aside for this planned splurge on myself, very much aware of the medical bills mounting The stylist had the brilliant idea that I should get a perm. A new machine had just come in straight from Korea, and I would look super cute with curly hair. I was swept by her vision, and soon I was sipping tea, flipping through an entirely frivolous magazine with large pink and yellow rollers atop my head in every direction, a plastic saran wrap covering my whole head, thick cotton piping framing my face to catch the drippings of chemicals on my hair that for some reason wafted a kind of strange comfort, perhaps for the drastic measure I was taking for self-care that day. Sitting under the heat lamp surrounding my head, I kind of enjoyed the weight of these crazy rollers on my head, for they seemed to feel lighter than the weight of worries that I carried always in my heart at home and at hospital visits. I quietly exhaled and let some tears out, feeling safely hidden in this unfamiliar place. Then I heard a voice, Charlene, 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 oh, it is you. He was so elated to see me a most gentle and sincere pastor I had known many years ago. I slowly looked up, lifting up my heavy head of rollers, probably totally failing at acting like I was equally as delighted and happy to run into him in this place. He comes here for haircuts, one of the stylists, a church member. Great, I said. He soon realized that I pretty much wanted to be invisible in this exchange, so he didn't linger. His kind eyes and cordial way was all I needed to know what he was saying. It is great to see you. I hope you have been well. God bless you. Then he went to a chair to the other end of the salon, far away from mine. By the time I was done, the pastor was long gone. I had been there for more than two hours. The perm did come out well, and I felt great. As I reached into my bag, and I realized by my first glance at the list of services and fees that the ample cash I had prepared for this secret splurge would not be enough. So I resigned to use the credit card. Then the woman at the reception counter waved bye, thanks for coming in today. Someone had taken care of the bill for my appointment. Stunned and with a lump in my throat, I reached back into my bag for that cash envelope to sort out the tip. Well, that had been covered too, she said. To anyone else, this story might be simply a story that fits in the category of random acts of kindness. An unassuming pastor goes in for a simple $20 morning haircut and ends up paying for someone else's $200 perm. But to me, a person walking in silent darkness. It was a warm light piercing through my loneliness and fear, reminding me that God's tender care would follow me, supplying all my needs, sometimes even for seemingly frivolous ones. God would find me with comforting nearness, even to the point of my uncomfortable proximity. Finding me under the weight of hair rollers and under the waft of hair potions, God came to this very human, ordinary place to speak. God came and stood there, and God was saying, you are loved you are not alone, you are mine, you and your household. I heard God's voice clearly that day, standing there on the black and white tiled floor of a salon, the buzzing hum of hair dryers and everyday people's conversations all around and I could only stand there with reverence, for I was in the presence of God's voice. It was the voice of love. It was the voice of promise. It was the word of a resurrection coming to revive what had collapsed. The attentive life is not found only in pristine places where the beauty of God's reign makes us quiet and still, and stand in reverent awe. The attentive life is also found in messy, humble places where our need for help is the very site where God dwells most near, where God's voice can be heard. And what we will find in seeking the attentive life is God who has been attending to us even before we paid any attention. You see, Samuel did not perceive the voice of God when God was calling him that night because, as the scripture explains in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know God. Yet, of course, he was known by God. Even before Samuel was born, his life, his days, were ordained by his creator. When God called Samuel that night, Samuel did not yet know God. Yet God was always and ever with Samuel. For in the preceding chapter, when Samuel was still even younger, we read that boy Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. And that now the boy Samuel continued to grow both in stature and in favor with the Lord. God was tending to Samuel even before Samuel knew God. God saw and cared for Samuel even while Samuel was not looking. God's love is demonstrated in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ came. While we were still sinners, Christ came to make us God's own. God's love is with us before we profess our faith. God's love reaches us while we are turned away. God's love finds us even when we make our place in the miry depths or settle at the farthest limits of the sea. God's love persists And God will call us again and again to a love beyond our imagining, a love that loves without condition. And to this God of irresistible grace, you and I can surely say and surely profess, Here I am, Lord. Speak, for your servant is listening. Amen.